0: Hallows Eve Tales is a Podzilla 1985 production. Headphones recommended. Listener discretion advised. And we are back. DJ Bad Kermit here with you. 11:23 p.m. on a crisp cold Monday night at KPDZ. Overnight lows are expected to dip into the 30s for the first time in a long time and if that doesn't get your goosebumps going well maybe this will. Now it's an annual tradition this time of year here at KPDZ. You guessed it the Hollows Eve tales have returned to tingle your spines and chill your bones. Our lines are open now for listeners like you, yes you to spin your yarns about the things that go bump in the night so call now at 555 5739 and give us the ghoulish good word. Caller, you are on the air.
1: Hi, thank you so much for taking my call.
0: Of course, of course, welcome. What is up?
1: Oh Well, my name's Amber. Um, I'm 18 and I've been going to summer camp near uh, Lake Kincaid since I was a kid, so yeah.
0: Oh yeah, Kincaid is the best beautiful country up there.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you could say I, I'm kind of like the typical summer camp nerd, you know, signed up for all the activities and try to be like the mascot, the model Kincaid camper. <laughs> um, I mean, trying is the word though. Cause see, I was like, Oh, I don't know. I'm kind of scrawny. I'm like five, hundred hundred 100 pounds or so soaking wet. And, um, no one really picks that kind of girl for sports right and i'm like too short and clumsy for basketball no coordination for softball and no strength or speed for kickballs oh i uh i kind of do things like crafts entertainment volunteering around the camp and um you know that's kind of how i made my friends a few you know um so there's this clovis cabin that's my cabin and it was made up of all the cast outs so you know, we could kind of be there for each other. Right. Um, oh yeah. Somehow, uh, when the counselors were deciding where to put everyone, all the unpopular kids got bunked together. <laughs> Interesting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but honestly, I mean, it was for the best, no bullying and Clovis and you know, that was beginning to be a bigger issue at camp as the years went by. And Cool kids picking out on the rest of us. And, God, by cool kids, I mean the Kaskaskia crew. God, every year without fail, the kids in Kaskaskia Cabin were the worst. I mean, except Clara. (laughs) She's another one of the elders like me. Um, And, you know, Clara was popular and gorgeous. And, you know, just like the rest of them, but... She was also just sweet and caring and beautiful. I'm sorry, um, what was I saying i
0: th- I think we were starting up our Clara fan club, but other than that, uh, <laughs> something about the elders, I think it was
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, yeah, uh okay, so elders, um once you're seventeen or like 18 you're kind of on your way out as a like normal camper and so that makes you an elder and that comes with some privileges of course but there's responsibilities too. like um nightly rounds uh nightly rounds are you know when lights are out we would all pair up with another elder grab some flashlights and walk around the campgrounds to make sure none of the younger campers were out of their bunks Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) Now, listen, I might be a camp geek, but rounds were actually kind of boring. The only nights I really enjoyed them were the ones where I was paired with Clara. Yeah. Oh, God. The sky was always cloudless. The stars are shining bright, and the moonlight reflecting in her eyes. Oh, focus, Amber. God, sorry. Um, uh, anyway, it was the final day of camping season at Kincaid, and the summer was coming to an end, and you know, later it would be the last night I'd be on rounds duty with Clara. Um Well, I'm getting ahead of myself before I can get to that. There was like the normal amount of bullying to endure. There's Josh. The epitome of Kaskaskia Camper. Perfect hair, perfect teeth, and perfectly incapable of being a decent person. God, couldn't even wait until after breakfast to dunk Steven's head in the toilet. And yeah, you guessed it. Steven's one of ours on Clovis. Yeah, we thought Josh was finished after that. You know, got it out of his system and... So Stephen went to take a shower to wash off the toilet water from his wake-up swirly. And, of course, that's when Josh snuck in and snatched Stephen's towel and clothes. I'll give you one guess where he put them.
0: Oh, that's gross. I'd really rather not, but thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, at least he flushed the first time. Mm. Huh. Mm. Poor Stephen. I mean, he got the worst of it. I mean, like more than the rest of us. As elders, Claire and I kept talking about keeping an eye on him, you know, in particular, but her cabin mates would catch him alone pretty often. So I worried about what it would do to him in the long run. By noon, the pranks had expanded to the rest of Clovis. And while we were enjoying lunch at the lake, Kastaskia broke into our cabin. They took our bags and, I mean, well, we, you know, we weren't really sure what all, but we got back to Clovis at the end of the day and our things were gone. Some of the little ones, they started crying. It was heartbreaking. I told them not to worry. It was close to lights out already. And so while they slept, I would find the rest. So their bags, our bags, and, you know, everything's going to be fine and all that. But I I didn't tell them that Clara would be helping me look, of course.
0: Of course, of course.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know. It was about uh, 7.45, I told the rest of Clovis. I didn't want to see any of them out of bed until the next morning. I shut off the lights and closed the door behind me and set out on my rounds and on the hunt. You know, (laughs) I think something you should know about me is that uncovering hidden things is kind of like my thing. My family says it's where my nerd really shines through, so to speak, you know. Things like scavenger hunts, escape rooms, I don't just like them. I'm good at them. <laughs> My favorite movies have always been mysterious, like National Treasure, The Da Vinci Code, all that stuff. Because, you know, I like, I love pouring over the clues and trying to solve the puzzle before the protagonist. It's, oh, it's such a satisfying feeling. <laughs> oh, oh uh, sorry. Where was I?
0: Uh, not my particular favorite set of movies but I can understand the love form but I believe if i were <laughs> if I were to wager a guess uh, you were meeting up with the lovely Clara oh
1: uh, yeah um okay so uh let's see that was that was that was at the main lodge around nine o'clock she oh she looked amazing I mean not that I doubted she would she always did i I told her we had more to do than just rounds that night, and wiped my hands on my shorts. And as I started to lay out the situation, I'd spent the past hour surveying the situation and looking for clues around the cabin. (laughs) I mean, I came prepared. (laughs) Uh, Clara smiled. Mm. I figured something was up, she said. You're never late for rounds, and you have that little sparkle in your eyes you get when there's a mystery to solve. Oh, God. I could have melted into my tennis shoes right there on the spot. <laughs> I
0: have already taken my shoes off at, at the very risk of <laughs> melting into them myself. That is that is sweet. She's She sounds very special.
1: Oh, man. She boys. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, oh. You know, I spent a few more minutes explaining what I knew and that we had to figure out, you know. Oh, God, Clara was livid. She wanted to march right back into Kaskaskia and unload on her cabin mates, but I talked her out of it in favor of, you know, not giving them the satisfaction, right? Uh, So eventually we set out to walk the perimeter. And before we got too far, though, Clara suggested we stop by the equipment shed for a baseball bat. It's like, it's kind of like an unspoken rule among the elders. If you're walking around at night, you'd better have something to protect yourself, whether it's, you know, from a rogue animal or some asshole boy, not, you know, there's much of a difference between the two.
0: Oh, I feel that. I can tell you stories myself. Amen. Uh, so what did you get?
1: <laughs> Oh, um, well, I popped off the padlock of the shed and I reached into the darkness and, you know, I around the grip of a bat and it was, like, damp, you know, and I recognize that's weird now, but at the time I just reached over and grabbed another one. And so with our weapons acquired, we started working towards... The softball field, and Clara tried to lighten the mood with some chit chat, asking if I had any plans for when I got home. And you know, not really. I told her just prepping for college. Oh God, I'm so nervous about that, and it's not even here yet. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, at least we can be nervous together. Clara said. <laughs> I grinned and I, I laid my head over on her arm and I just, oh, I just sighed. <laughs> you know, we weren't going to the same school that fall. Clara had gotten a music scholarship to university, several hours away from mine. But we'd already resolved to stay in touch every day and visit anytime we could.
0: <laughs> uh, sounds like the a uh, uh, sad end to the story, but at least you'd still have each other, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, well, okay, so we entered through the center field fence, crossing the field toward home plate in a straight line. And I was lost in thought. And that's when Clara broke off towards third base dugout away from me. God, why did she have to do that? I panicked. Like, total fear washed over me. I yelled, Wait! And took off toward her, full sprint, plowing right into her, sending us both tumbling into the dirt. And by the time we'd stopped rolling, I was on top of her, face to face, looking right into those eyes. And I kissed her. God, I couldn't resist. And pretty quick, I found out she couldn't either.
0: (laughs) Well, I think we may have our calendars confused. This isn't February, but I'm interested to see where this is going. All right. uh, Please, go on.
1: (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, I mean, you know, maybe that was a little more dramatic than it needed to be. It wasn't the first time Claire and I had kissed. Oh. You know, far from it, really. Uh, yeah, we'd been dating for close to a year at that point, And it was long distance outside of summer, though it it wasn't really a big secret. But, uh, okay, well, so back to the story. Um, When the kiss finally broke... Clara laughed at me <laughs> she was like, oh, what was that about? And I told her I thought I'd seen something or someone. I added spookily, like intentionally over the top in the shadows of the dugout. And she moved to sweep her flashlight that direction, but I beat her to the punch. Mm-hmm. My erratic beam revealed nothing to see. <laughs> Still, she gave me like this doe-eyed smile my hero she was mocking me (laughs) she clasped her hands in front of her chest oh she looks so cute (laughs) oh and i just like told her to you know shut up
0: where did you go next
1: um well claire suggested that we head towards the mess hall and i agreed um So the main buildings were much better lit even after the lights were out, but there was also more ground to cover. So this was one of the only few places we would usually split up and Claire would head inside while I'd circle the building and check around back. And of course that meant venturing closer to the dumpster than is generally advisable. Oh, the smell wafting out of it was pretty rancid. And to my complete lack of surprise, there was no missing luggage to be recovered, so I didn't stay long. So I finished my lap around the building, arriving back at the front porch to head inside and see if Clara had found anything. And she stopped me before I got very far, and she was like, Careful! You're tracking stuff in- inside! <laughs> sure enough, I looked down to see the soles of my shoes caked with mud. I had so Stupid. I should have known better. Uh,
0: That mud has a a habit of sneaking up on you there, doesn't it?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Oh. So I took the worried look off my face and, you know, stopped, you know, having concern for the lobby's cleanliness. And Clara escorted me back outside to the water hose to rinse off the mess before we, you know, pressed on. Our third major stop of the nighttime Kincaid tour was my absolute least favorite, the Kaskaskia cabin. Ugh. It was the only time during rounds that Clara and I had absolutely no chance of completely avoiding her bunk mates. And sure enough, the insults started just flying the moment we were spotted. It was business as usual. I rolled my eyes, tossed Clara a grin in the dark, <laughs> and then broke off to search around Clovis on my own and leaving her to join her fellow wolves. By then it was like, I don't know, eleven o'clock. So I quietly opened the main cabin door just to make sure no one had left their beds as I instructed. And then that's when I noticed Stephen was missing. Oh no yeah, I mean, oh God, this knot of fear swelled up in my stomach. And I could only suppress it by hoping that, you know, he'd left on his own accord to, you know, do something stupid. Because the other likelihood was much worse. <laughs> so I left without waking anyone. But as soon as I was out of earshot, I, I started running. I nearly bowled into Clara for the second time that night as she was coming out of the outhouse. She narrowed her eyes and asked if all her people were present. The only one she hadn't seen was Josh, but she figured he was out making his own rounds. I cursed. Stephen is missing too, I explained, and it didn't take much for Clara to put the two pieces together. Instinctively, we turned towards the counselor's bunkhouse, intent on letting them know what happened. And that's when the bell started ringing. Everyone at Kincaid knew that if the big bell was ringing, they were expected to meet in the main lodge, but it wasn't very often that it was ringing at nearly midnight. That knot, the fear in my stomach was swelling. It was getting bigger and The bell worked to our advantage. The counselors would be there as they were the only ones with the keys to the tower. So Clara and I started ushering our sleepy little bunk mates out of the bed and towards the big house. And as the last camper left the Clovis cabin, it was Clara's turn to run to me. Police lights she'd seen the red and blue flashing near the entrance of the camp, and then the worry in her voice was just amplified by the second. And so was mine, but like before, it just grew in my gut, the knot rupturing and leaving me sick at my stomach. I didn't I didn't want Claire to be afraid. I had to protect her, you know?
0: Naturally, of course.
1: So we... We brought up the rear and we arrived at the main lodge to see the counselors, eight of them in total. Sitting on the edge of the cafetorium stage, their faces all just a, a mixture of drowsiness and concern and us elders helped get everyone settled down so the counselors could explain while we were all there. And it was Oscar who went first. He's the head counselor, kind of like, you know, kind of high school football coach guy with a bit of a tummy, but, you know, he's got a big heart to match it. Oscar very calmly explained that there was an emergency situation and it was being handled. Everyone's guardians had been contacted and even though it was late, the camp would be evacuated that night and the parents were on their way to pick up their kids and everyone was just panicked. Someone in the back shouted, what's going on? And, you know, the elders should have stopped them. I know, but I'm not even sure it wasn't one of us. Oscar just set his jaw firmly, but gently and said, they would get into the details soon, but at the moment, everyone needed to return to their cabins and pack their belongings before their rides arrived. And with that, we were all just dismissed. I was kind of surprised that the counselors weren't even going to talk to the elders about what was happening, you know? But there was no time. We had to get everyone back to the bunkhouses to get their things together, and I needed to get Steven.
0: Well, it sounds like a very chaotic situation that you found yourself in. What did you
1: yep. what'd you
0: do next, Amber?
1: Well, I Clara pulled double duty and took my kids along with her so I could head down to the dock at the lake and see if he was there. It was one of the only places that she and I hadn't been at that point. And sure enough, as I walked out onto the old wooden planks, there he was. Stephen sitting with his feet dangling over the water, back to me, leaned up against one of the wooden poles things holding the you know the whole thing up, and I yelled at him. I'm not proud of it, but you know I was mad. I was, I was so upset that I'd worked so hard to protect him, and there he was, out of bounds, way past bedtime, and he barely acknowledged me. You know, but once I got it out of my system, I was able to calm down. And I told him I had to hurry back to everyone else now that I knew he was he was okay and I knew what was going on and he knew what was going on and I was sure he'd be fine on his own.
0: Sure, he sounds like a pretty smart guy, right?
1: Yeah. So, I ran back to the main lodge and I only slowed down once I caught sight of Clara on her way back as well. And I panted, trying to catch my breath as she asked if I found Steven and to which I eventually replied that the situation was resolved. And we crossed the threshold onto the lodge, right on time. Oscar had indeed assembled the elders. He'd wanted to, you know, wait until the little ones were gone to tell the actual story. He said, about half an hour ago, Josh was found bludgeoned to death at the softball field, and he's gone.
0: Oh my god, that's horrible.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you know, the gasp that rose up through that small crowd of us almost felt rehearsed, you know? Like it was choreographed, and... The crying that followed, it wasn't, it was uncomfortable. I could feel my eyes darting from face to face, not sure how to respond. Josh was a bastard, but this? And then Robin, she's another Kaskaskia elder, she asked if he was going to be okay, she was in so much shock that she hadn't even heard the news the right way. And mm. Oscar gently explained that Josh's body had been discovered too late and that he'd been gone hours before then. Claire fidgeted a little beside me. She drew a breath and asked, Where exactly was he at the field? Oscar said, The third base dugout. We don't think he went there on his own. Someone tried to hide him, but he... Well, he fell out of place, and...
0: And and what, Amber?
1: Well, Oscar couldn't bring himself to go on. He knew he shouldn't. Not not around so many kids. It, It was pointless. Anyway, Clara's mind wasn't there in the lodge anymore i could see it in her eyes those gorgeous eyes she was on the field the same one where we'd shared a kiss where where she thought she'd seen something and before either of us could say anything a police officer came in the room a little too quick a little too authoritatively and said something in Oscar's ear that caused the color to drain from his face. But that calm demeanor immediately went out the window. And Oscar practically shouted at us to get to our cabins, get our kids and leave everything behind and get to the bus lot immediately. And panic, it was just panic. The rest of the elders ran from the room, obeying the command, all except for me and Clara, of course. The stress was too much. I couldn't take anymore. I turned and I puked everything I'd eaten that day onto a nearby trash can. And All the while, Clara, she ran her hand gently along my back, but something was wrong. Even in that simple gesture, I could feel it.
0: With her or with you?
1: Because we because we'd stayed behind. We were the only ones to overhear the other shoe drop. More officers came in, guns drawn at the ready, and their discussion with Oscar and the other counselors yielded some new, more terrifying information. A second body had been found. One of Camp Kincaid's owners was discovered in the dumpster behind the mess hall, and everyone was to evacuate immediately. Something about footprints, too. they realized too late we were still standing there. Before they could stop us, we ran from the main lodge and toward Clovis, hearts pounding, stomachs churning, just intent on helping everyone get safely. And we burst through the cabin doors, a chorus of screams meeting us before the kids realized who we were, and and then then we started barking orders to rush the campers out to the buses and out of this. God this nightmare And as the end of the line Approached Clara Finally looked at me In the eyes for the first time In a while and And it wasn't like She usually looked at me Where's Steven she asked me I thought you said You handled the situation
0: And you had taken care of that Earlier right
1: I didn't know what to say. I just stared ahead dumbly, the taste of vomit still rancid in my throat. Silently, just, just willing the last couple of campers to hurry the hell up. But Clara was persistent. She said, Amber, what's going on? She whispered. So much anger and fear mixing together in her voice. We were there at the softball field, the mess hall. We went to those places and now they're finding bodies. This is freaking me out. What if someone is following us? She was, she was shaking. The terror was starting to settle into her. And I told her, it's just a coincidence. That's all. I didn't even believe the words coming out of my mouth anymore. and. Neither did Clara, because when I wouldn't meet her eyes, she stormed off to the lake. Wait, no. And no. it took me a second to come back to reality and recognize the gravity of what was happening. And before I could stop her, she was gone. I I tripped over my own feet, and I I lurched forward, and I was getting to the point faster than my brain could process it for me, and I could not let Clara go to the lake but she was fast you know and I knew that of course I'd spent so many afternoons that summer and summers before that watching Clara race around the bases at the softball field jog through the grassy field by the lake with a kite trailing behind her (laughs) I just never imagined she would be running away from me like that and I was I was hot on her heels as we sprinted down the dirt path that led to the water through the woods I could I could see the old waterlogged docks in front of us and they were only lit up by the moon now just just enough just bright enough
0: enough for what amber
1: <sighs> I I should have known better than to leave Steven sitting there. God, that was so stupid of me. It was it was too late for me to protect her from that now. So I just I just let Clara take it in. I didn't know what else to do. I I never thought it would come to this, so I just stood there with my arms loose at my side while her her hand flew up to her mouth to muffle the choking sobs that started to rack her. She stepped forward after a little while and put her hand on Steven's shoulder where he sat, but it was just a little too much pressure. And he tilted, and then he leaned, and she couldn't catch him, so his body just splashed, into the water clumsily just splaying out like a rag doll as the lake took control of his limbs and and then he slipped under never blinking no longer there it's
0: okay it's okay, it's okay. take your time <laughs>
1: So suddenly I, I came back to life and Clara, I said firmly, you have to listen to me. There's a reason for all of this. And I guess she thought I was like advancing on her or something because in one fluid motion, Clara picked up one of the oars from the rowboat tied to the dock and wheeled on me, swinging it like a pike. You stay the fuck away from me, she screamed. Her eyes were brimming with tears and terror, looking at me like like I was nothing more than a wild animal. I was devastated. I held out my hands innocently. Staying the course. Please, just... I figured it out. Clara, I begged her. I solved the mystery. I might as well have told her I was an alien from the next galaxy over. (laughs) What? She gasped out. just What are you talking about? The missing bags. I told her. I was proud of myself. You know, I was. I was desperate, just trying to change the subject. I found them. When (laughs) Clara was still keeping me at bay with the orb, but she'd stopped waving it around. At least, Amber, what the fuck are you talking about? She asked, and so I explained. Before we met up for rounds, I said plainly, I caught Josh making out with some slut by third base dugout. I waited until she was gone, and then I cornered him. I knew he took the bags from Clovis, because who else would it be? So I made him tell me where they were. It would have gone faster, but I... I think I swung the bat a little too hard the first time. Serves him right for trying to hit me with pitches. If he'd given me a chance, I could have knocked him out of the park. Josh's confession sent me to the mess hall next. I kept going. I was pacing in the dirt like some hard-boiled detective addressing a room full of suspects about who killed the butler. Sure enough, there they were, all those suitcases crammed into the dumpster, out back, covered in leftover slop from supper. But I found them. Then, Mr. Kincaid found me, unfortunately. He was sneaking around there for a smoke, and there I was, looking guilty, not because of the luggage, but I kind of made a mess of Josh, and then there was the butcher knife. I... would borrowed from the kitchen just in case anyone else got in my way, which I guess they did. I felt bad enough about that one. I I really did. He was going to ruin it all. Claire just adjusted her grip on the robo oar, tightening it, and I pretended I didn't notice and I kept going. It took a while to haul all of the bags out, but I got them into a wheelbarrow from the school shed and then realized there was blood all over them. It was so frustrating. So I wheeled them down here to the lake to clean them up without anyone, anyone seeing me, but I was running out of time before round, so I figured I'd come back later with no one else to watch me. And Claire finished the sentence for me, except Stephen. So my shoulders slumped. Except Steven. No. And it it felt like this is something he did a lot, you know? Sneak down here at night just to you know, think, I guess, and get away from the assholes for a little while. And the good guys too, just to just to be alone, probably and and then I had to come along and screw it all up. He'd already seen me. The bags, the blood, but he didn't see the knife I'd hidden under them. And it needed to go too. Anyway, I, I couldn't look at Claire's face. She put all the pieces together and somewhere under the surface of the lake, she realized that Steven was now floating down down to where all the wheelbarrow and the luggage had sunk after I'd pushed them in, where the blade I'd used to silence him lay too. And I realized I was crying <laughs> as I tried to make it better somehow. I didn't want to do it. I sobbed. I, I left him how he wanted to be. Just looking out over the lake not worried about bullies anymore I just I just I just wanted him to feel safe I pleaded I was trying to lock eyes with my girlfriend but Clara's expression was unreadable it was rendering my, my heart in two you know just seeing her there at the edge of the dock staring at me like that i i couldn't tell what she was thinking but she still hadn't put that oar down
0: what did you do amber
1: i gambled i didn't know what else to do clara please i implored her you have to to understand. I love you. I love you more than anything in this world and now this world is trying to tear us apart. No more camp. Different schools in less than a month. I thought it was I thought it was over. I thought I was going to lose you. I thought I'd never see you again. Not after rounds. She finished for me again and there was this strange clarity in her voice that's why that's why you still came <laughs> i wondered if she realized that was the first time either of us had said i love you to the other one <laughs> you don't need to be afraid of me i was bargaining and i <laughs> i took a step forward And she matched it backward, never taking her eyes off of me, and so much further from my reach.
0: Oh, Clara. And
1: she she wasn't convinced, you know, so I tried again. I would never hurt you, Clara, no matter what. I didn't want to hurt them either. Well, I mean, you know, most of them, but you, I could never and then one more step too far and Clara started to lose her footing and she was just pinwheeling her arms and she lurched backwards and I reached out and I grabbed the orb but she held on for dear life and dragged both of us into the lake. And, and then we were plunging into the frigid cold water together and I wish I could say for certain that it was the shock of the cold that drove me to do what I did next.
0: Amber, please... Tell it please tell us. Oh, the oar was too
1: long. Too, oh, it was too unwieldy against the lake's depth, so it was useless as a weapon anymore, and Clara fought. Oh, she fought hard. She was scratching and clawing at my face and shouting no as I tried to hold on to her. I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't trying to hurt her. I wouldn't. I couldn't. you know I just I just I just wanted to calm her down and to help her but but she didn't see me like she used to not not by then and I I wasn't the girl that she loved anymore. I hope she loved me too anyway. and I'm
0: certain she did. I am.
1: And, and I stayed there for a while. After she stopped thrashing under the water and just holding her still, I was numb to the cold. I was numb to it all. I, I, I didn't even realize I'd untied the rowboat and was grabbing the other oar until I was halfway across the lake and gliding through the shadows, hearing... Voices and watching beams of light bounce around in the woods back near the shore. (sighs) You think they think it was a drifter, you know, some hitchhiking maniac thirsty for young blood. (laughs) The older kids have a better story. It was an escaped mental patient from the loony bin over in Chester and (laughs) he thought they were demons. (laughs) He thought he was doing the Lord's work. (laughs) The adults are, you know, more rational, I think. They talk about a rabid bear and use it as a threat to keep the little ones in their bunks at nighttime. (laughs) You know, the truth is, I, I haven't actually been back there since. Really. Yeah. Someday, maybe. I do want to see Clara again when I'm ready, but I'm, I'm worried they'll get in my way and try to stop me. I. I get confused easily when things happen and scared, and, and then and then things happen. But if they see me this time, I guess it could be worse. Maybe they'll make me the camp mascot after all.
0: (laughs) Amber, hey, hey, kiddo, you still there? Amber. Okay. Uh, well, folks, uh, (laughs) Oh wow, we need to take a break for station identification. Hmm. you're listening to KPDZ, home of the Hollows Eve Tales. We will be right back. Hallows Eve Tales is a production of Podzilla nineteen eighty-five. Delirium at Camp Kincaid was created by Tanner Calvert with screenplay by Hunter Hendricks and voiced by Shannon Young and Amber Dawn catch every episode of this seasonal series as well as the full slate of podzilla podcasts like pz85 plays after dark and more at podzilla1985.com or on your favorite podcasting service